Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. All right, well, let's dive into our message. Pull out your notes and, and also pull out your program because we're going to use a program at first. Look on the very front of your program. You'll see our Crosswalk logo. So everyone look at that. And uh, you'll see it's a, a cross with a little tagline. All right, now we're going to say this tagline together. It's kind of hard to read, I know, because it's like green on green, but I think you can do it. Okay, the little tagline, all right, here we go. Ready, set, go. Real people, real faith. Now, the reason I have you read that is because today's uh, message, the logo, has everything to do with today's message. The reason we have the cross on our logo is because this church is all about, all because of, and all for Jesus Christ. The reason we chose the phrase real people is because we desire to be a very accepting church. And what I mean by that is that, is that it's our goal that on Sunday morning, that anyone and everyone feels they can come to this church as they are. No matter what they look like, no matter their past, no matter what your current struggles are in your life, and especially no matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you believe. You might say, Phil, you just ruined your message, dude. The misquote is it doesn't matter what you believe. Get off the stage. You're done. Well, the truth is, is that it doesn't matter what you believe, at least not at first anyway. None of Jesus' followers started out believing in him. And the Bible tells us that, that no one actually comes into this world believing in God. And, and to be honest, that's, that's why we have the cross in our logo. That's the, the beautiful message about the cross is that God took action on his own. God loved you completely out of his own love for you. And, and the truth is, is that God doesn't love you more if you act like Jesus. And God doesn't even love you more if you believe in Jesus. God loves you because he loves you. He loves you because he is love. We bring nothing to the table when it comes to God. We come to him as we are. That's real people. Now, we also include the phrase real faith because at the same time, what you believe absolutely does matter. And that's the other message of the cross, is that while the cross shows us that God's love is unconditional, the cross also shows us that God chose a very specific way to show his love. And he did that by sending his one and only son, Jesus, into the world to die on the cross for you and for me. You see, we come to God with nothing, but we cling to Jesus in faith. Without Jesus, we are nothing, and we have nothing, but here's the cool thing. With Jesus, through faith in him, we get to be called children of God, and, and God says we can do anything through the name of Jesus. So that's what real faith is all about. 
But let's talk about that word faith, because that's really what the message is about, right? Is if it doesn't matter what you believe, it's about faith. Well, I think it's no secret that our society feels that faith has an important role in life. You look, um, I looked at a survey from 2014 of the World Economic Forum, and they, and they surveyed a bunch of uh, leaders in the world, and, and it came to pass that, that people having faith in, in anything improve things like human rights, peacemaking, uh, establishing values, okay? And, and if you want to know what our society feels the role of faith is, just look at any public tragedy. And, and what happens? You have someone calling for, for, to keep the, the families of the victims in your thoughts and prayers, right? There's normally some sort of memorial service or, or vigil of some, of some kind. See, society teaches that faith is good if it makes you be a better person or if it makes you feel better about life and to deal with tragedy, okay? But, but the truth is society teaches that when it comes to the object of your faith, the, the what you believe in, that doesn't really matter. And that's our first point. That society says that faith is a feeling that helps you cope with life. In other words, what or who you believe in doesn't matter. Now let's compare that to what it says in the book of John, chapter 14, verses 1 to 7. Let me give you a little background before we read it. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and it's the night before he's about to be crucified. It's the same room where, where he establishes the Lord's Supper, and before he says this, he just gets done telling his disciples that one of them is going to betray him. And then he talks to Peter, and he says that Peter is going to deny that he even knows Jesus three times before the next morning. Talk about a mood killer, right? Everyone in the room's kind of bummed. And then Jesus says these words. Let's look at it. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. You see, our, our world, our society says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in something that will help you be a better person and help you feel better about yourself. And Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. And then he points to a specific person. He points to himself. Believe in God, believe also in me, he says. And then he points to a specific place. He directs their eyes and our eyes, not here, but, but to his father's house, to eternal life. And then he says, you want to get there? To my father's house that he's prepared for you? I am the way and the truth 
and the life. You see, what God is teaching us here is that the object of your faith, the who or the what you believe in, is most important. Now, to drive that point home about the importance of the object of your faith, I want to talk about tornadoes, all right? And the reason I want to talk about tornadoes is because I I was out of town, but I heard that there was a tornado warning in Phoenix like a couple weeks ago. I was like, "Are are you kidding me, right? doesn't happen here very much, right? And so we might, you know, need a little safety 101 on tornadoes, okay, if it ever, if it ever happens. But so, so one person might believe that in a tornado, uh, the safest place to be is in their car. Another person might believe that if a tornado hits, the safest place to be is in their house. And then another person might believe, well, you know, if a tornado comes, I'm going to get in my underground bunker, Okay. Now, now the truth is all of those objects probably provide some sort of security, right? But the true test is when a really big tornado hits, right? If you have a small little maybe F0, F1 tornado, you might be safe in your car or in your house. But if you get a really big tornado, then we see that the true object, the correct object to put your faith in is that underground bunker. Now, I want to read a verse for you that goes along with this. Look at our next verse here. Comes from Acts 4.12. It says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And this is talking about Jesus. You see, I don't know if you know this, but, but the way they rate tornadoes, you might have heard like, you know, F1 to F5, and an F5 is the biggest one that there is. Well, actually, did you know that there's a classification of an F6 tornado? And it's, it's called the inconceivable tornado. But, but uh, people in, in, in weather have decided that, that it is possible to have a tornado that has greater wind speed and damage than we've ever seen, that the conditions could be right, that an F6 could come down, but we've just never seen it. So, so it's inconceivable, but it could happen. You see, if we believe in something other than Jesus, if we, if we put our faith in, in all these different things, they, they can provide some security here and now, some temporary relief. But what God is telling us is that we spiritually are facing an F6 tornado. And it's called eternal death. And it's inconceivable because we haven't haven't faced it yet, but but the conditions are right that, that it could happen, that it's very real. And God is telling us here that there is one underground bunker. And that's Jesus Christ. That when it comes to eternal death, he's the only one. He's the only one that can save us, that can provide us salvation. So that's our next point. It says that God says faith in Jesus is the way that someone receives salvation. The what or the who you believe in is all that matters. So not that it just doesn't matter, it's all that matters. I want to go over uh, verses 1 to 4 again. They're on your notes. And we're actually going to bring up these verses a lot today. And so I'll read them again, verses 1 to 4. 
Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place that I'm going. I taught at a high school in Wisconsin called Wisconsin Lutheran High School for three years. And when I left, they gave me a plaque with these verses on it. And it's a gorgeous plaque, and I hung it by my kitchen so that I'd see it every day because I eat a lot, so I'm in the, in the kitchen a lot. And I see this plaque, and it brings me comfort, and it brings me joy. And uh, the other day I was looking at it, because these are the verses for the message, and something struck me about the verses that they never had before. You know what I realized? When Jesus said these words, he didn't have a lot of time left. The very next day, he knew he would be crucified. And he had a lot on his mind. Think about it. He knew coming up in a few short hours, he would be betrayed, he would be abandoned, he would be arrested, humiliated, beaten, crucified, Oh yeah, and and God the Father would turn his back on him and forsake him, and he would be left with nothing but spiritual torment. So just a little bit on his mind, having a little bit of a bad day, right? All this is on his mind, and what are Jesus' words? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Wow. He's talking to the disciples He's talking to me and you, and he's saying, don't let your heart speak. Jesus is thinking of us when he's about to go and endure all of this. And he's thinking of us because Jesus knows that our hearts are troubled. Life is troubling. Turn on the news lately, right? One after another after another of of things where we say, man, there's a lot of trouble in this world. But the thing is, we don't even have to go to the news, do we, to talk about a troubled heart. You and I know that our consciences bother us and give us trouble. We feel guilt and shame when we know we've done something wrong. That's troubling. It's troubling to know that, that you hurt someone and you did something that you shouldn't. Are you struggling with an illness right now? Or someone you know going through an illness? I mean, when we look at the prayer request, I see the word cancer everywhere. That's troubling. And then ultimately, at some point, death comes knocking at our door or at the door of a loved one, and that's troubling. Jesus knows that we have trouble in this world. And so he says, take heart, don't let your hearts be troubled. But you know what's even more amazing out of all of this, that the reason he says this is this. The fact is, you and I actually deserve to have a troubled heart. We deserve to feel a little guilt and shame because we're not innocent bystanders when it comes to Jesus going on that cross. Our sins put him there. And so Jesus knows that even though, here's the amazing thing about it, even though he's going to go through all this stuff and it's our fault, he still says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Not for one more second. And the way you you can get rid of that trouble is, what does he say? Believe in me. My father's got it all taken care of. I got a place with your name on it. So if we look 
The truth is, is that if you have a troubled heart, Jesus says, act now. Believe in him now. He wants to give you comfort now and in the future. And that's our next point, is that Jesus invites us to believe in him now because he wants to comfort us now, and he wants to be with us forever. So it matters what you believe because it'll give you comfort now and in the future. And so what that really means is that urgency matters. Don't put it off. Urgency matters. So obviously in a message like this, you got people who know that they don't believe in Jesus, some who are kind of questioning, some who have believed in him a long time. But, but this next section is absolutely for all of us because um, we look at the disciples Right? And the disciples were Jesus' closest friends, and they were really confused right now with Jesus' talking to them. And they actually have a good reason to be confused. I mean, let's look at just what happened in this week before Jesus makes this speech. Jesus rides into Jerusalem, and people are worshiping him and praising him. And then right after that, Jesus starts talking about his upcoming death and the end of the world, and he gets all gloomy. And then, right here in this room where he's talking to them, the disciples see some, all these different interesting things that, that Jesus does. He says, take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood. The disciples feel water on their feet as Jesus gets down and he, and he washes their feet to show them what true service is. And then he gets downhearted in spirit and he talks about how one of them is going to betray him and they all will abandon him and Peter's going to deny him. And now he comes a speech about he's going to leave and then come back and get them and they should know the place and the way. Wow. Disciples are like, what's going on here? And, and, and here's the thing, though, is that even though they had doubts and questions, we could tell that they trusted Jesus because they brought those doubts and questions to him. Look at our next verses. It says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And then a couple verses later in verse 8, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. You see, Thomas was just confused at what Jesus said. Like, place, way, what, what are you talking about? And then Philip wanted a little more proof. God, if, if just, Jesus, just show us God the Father. Just do something really cool and crazy right now, and, and, and then we'll believe. And you know, it's not just the disciples that doubted Jesus. One of my favorite accounts, and I put the verses here, is the account of a father who's pleading for the life of his son. His son has an evil spirit and had this spirit since he was a boy. And this evil spirit is throwing him in the fire and the water and, and could destroy him. And so this father hears about Jesus doesn't really know what to think about him, but goes up to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, if you can do anything, please take pity on us and help us. And then here's Jesus' reply. From Mark 9, 23 to 24, Jesus says this, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe Help me overcome my unbelief. I love that. 
How transparent and honest is that? I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And Jesus heals the boy. Now, what about you? Are you feeling a little bit like Thomas, where sometimes you just feel confused about Jesus' words sometimes, or confused about other words in the Bible? Or maybe you're Philip, and you just wish God would just give you a little more proof. If he just would give you a little more proof, then everything would be settled. Or maybe you're like this father here. You're in deep need, and you think Jesus can help, but, but you have your doubts. Here's the deal. The number one thing that causes someone to lose their faith in Jesus is if they feel they have no safe place to express their doubts. And us, us Christians, we're, we're kind of famous for this. Oh, I, I can't talk about if I have any doubts because real Christians don't have doubts, we tell ourselves. And I guarantee you there's no one in this auditorium and there's no one that's ever preached from this stage that, that hasn't had doubts. And here's the deal, that we feel like, especially at church and with other church people, we can't talk about our doubts because we'll get judged. But then we forget what Jesus did. People brought their doubts to him because he created an environment where he was willing to listen empathetically and, and, and hear their doubts and then address them. If Jesus didn't want anyone to ever doubt or if he didn't permit it, he would have struck them with lightning or he would have ran away, right? But no, he listens to them. He addresses them. If anyone at this church makes someone feel uncomfortable for bringing their doubts here, then, then they're not acting like Jesus because he, he sat down and, and he listened to people who had doubts. So here's the deal. If you, wherever you're at, are having doubts about Jesus, do what Thomas and Philip and, and this father did. Bring your doubts about Jesus to Jesus. He's big enough to handle your questions and your doubts. Bring your questions to him. And you know what? You know what a good prayer is? I say this all the time. The prayer of that father. God, I do believe Help me overcome my unbelief. Man, that is being honest and real and still trusting God at the same time. That's our next point. Is that Jesus can handle your questions and doubts. Don't hide them, but bring them to him. So in other words, transparency and trust matter. We got to get rid of this thing that, you know what, that Christians never have doubts. It's a myth. Transparency and trust matter. You know, I was thinking, what, what if these words in John, what if Jesus would have said this? What if Jesus would have said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Just suck it up, get moving, try harder, and believe in yourself already, all right? What if Jesus would have said that? I, we probably would have a little, some doubts, right? Now, obviously, Jesus didn't say that, but who says that? We do, don't we? When it comes to a higher power, our favorite higher power is us. We think that, that our wisdom, that our strength, that our perseverance is enough. 
I'm just, I'm just going to believe in me. And, and, and the truth, if we're honest, is that a, a lot of reasons why we doubt Jesus is because we think we can do a better job of managing things. You turn the news on and you're like, Jesus, do something. I know I do something. I do X and Y and Z and this and that, right? And, and so we, we say that. I want to point back to verse 6, and it's in, it's in your notes again. It says verse 7, but it's verse 6. It says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, Jesus does listen empathetically to doubts, and he does address doubts, but this answer is in, a, is in response to someone doubting him. And, and, and listen to the answer that he gave to, to the boy, or to the, 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 the father of the boy, right? The, the father says, if you can do anything, and Jesus says, if, if I can, all things are possible for the one who believes. So, while Jesus listens to doubts, you know how he addresses them? What he doesn't do is he doesn't say, you know, you're right. You know, you have, you have every reason to doubt me. In fact, if I don't work for you, in your belief system, just you can go and find something else that works for you. He doesn't say that, but that's what we hear all the time. When there are doubts, what does Jesus do? He doubles down on himself. In fact, he goes all in on himself. And he says, okay, you're doubting me. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But the, the cool thing is, is that Jesus doesn't just stop with claiming, right? Let's look at our next verse. And man, I love these verses right here, and it really ties in. It brings it all together. Look at what it says, John 20, 27. And Jesus is talking here, okay? Then he said to Thomas, the same Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side, Stop doubting and believe. You know when Jesus says these words? It's after he died on the cross and after he rose from the grave. You see, Thomas, Thomas is still doubting. Now he's saying, you know, I'm not going to believe that Jesus rose unless I take my fingers and I put it in the nail marks. And so Jesus finds Thomas and now Jesus doesn't just claim to be the way, the truth, and the life. He proves it, and he shows it, and he proves it to you and me. And he says, hey, look. You see right there, that's where the first nail went in. And right there, that's where the second one went in. And then right here, put your hand on my side. That's where the spear went in. Stop doubting and believe. It's so great <laughs> that Jesus proved that he's the way, the truth, and the life because we're not just going on some claim. And it proves that he loves you. And here's, here's our promise. Every week at Crosswalk Church, this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about Jesus and the cross and the empty tomb because that is the proof behind our tagline, real people, real faith. That is the proof behind everything that we do and, and, and the proof of, of why we have peace in our life. 
if all paths led to the same God, or if it didn't matter at all what you believe, Jesus Christ would never have endured the cross in its shame. Why would he have, if all paths lead to the same place, if it doesn't matter what you believe, if one God is as good as the next, he never would have endured the cross in his shame. But he did. And we are so glad that he did for us. Here's our next point, is that Jesus addresses doubts by showing that he's the only way to truth in life. He didn't just claim it, he showed it. So in other words, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross matters. That's why we have the cross in our logo. You know what would be awesome? I got two kids now. Uh, it would be awesome if someone would buy a million dollar house and then just give it to me. And I wouldn't sell my house, I would just have my kids live there, and then my wife and I would live in the million dollar home, and we'd, we'd visit, but then they can just mess up the house like they're doing right now. But think about it, what, what, if, what if someone bought a million dollar home, came to you, and, and they gave you the keys? What if in reality that happened? You see, we get to our last point about why it matters what you believe. Because here, here's, here's what Jesus' death on the cross really means, is that first, Jesus bought you back from sin and eternal death and the devil that, that had their hold on all of us, and he bought you back from all of that. And then he doesn't just stop there. He buys you a nice little piece of real estate in heaven, in his father's house. And that is probably the most compelling reason why what you believe matters. Let's, let's look one more time at verses 1 to 2. Do not let your hearts be troubled. My Father's house has many rooms for you. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? So here's where it gets fun, guys. It, it really does. And some translations say the word mansion, that, that God that Jesus is preparing a mansion for us. So I want you to, to think, close your eyes, and what does your mansion look like? Mine's got an indoor basketball court. And I am dunking over everyone, because it's heaven, right? And, oh, over in the kitchen, I got a private chef. That's right. I smell that ribeye, medium rare. He knows how I like it. It's fun to think about that, but it's not just pie in the sky thinking that this is God's mansion and you have a little mansion inside of there. Think, what does yours look like? But, but if, if you kind of don't want to do that, here's what Jesus is really saying, though. What he's really promising is that when we believe in him now, we have blessings right now. And one of the greatest blessings is something we're all searching for, and that's peace. It's this phrase, at the end of the day, it's all going to be okay. And for the believer in Jesus, that's true. At the end of the day, I've got my place in heaven. But guess what? Here's the cool thing, is that Jesus doesn't just stop there. Let's look at our next verses that are, are part of this speech. So Jesus says this, 
Still talking to his disciples, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So what Jesus is saying here is not only do you have peace, but the second thing you have is you have purpose that he wants to involve you in his work. He wants you to not live for yourself, but find the joy of living for him and for other people, and, and to point other people to the way, the truth, and the life, and, and the great adventure that that is, an extreme sense of purpose. And you see what he says? That you have help. I think we forget this. We forget that Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, if it will glorify God the Father, I will give it to you. Do you need some peace in your life? Pray to Jesus. Do you need some courage right now? Pray to Jesus. Do you need a little more faith in Him? Pray to Jesus. Is your marriage falling apart? Pray to Jesus. If what you pray for glorifies God the Father, Jesus says yes. And so the truth is, the most compelling reason why what you believe in matters is that you matter to God. And that's our last fill-in. Is that Jesus gives peace, purpose, and help to those who believe in Him. You matter. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you showed us that you love us unconditionally, that we have nothing to offer you, but in your love, you loved us first, and you gave us Jesus. And God, thank you that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you for the peace that you've given us. And, and Lord, as, as we talked about, let us be willing to be uh, transparent with you if we doubt you. Let us be confident that, that you can handle our doubts. And Lord, um, be with all of us and, and give us courage to stand up and to say there is only one way, and that's Jesus. And that we stand up for Jesus because we know, God, that the, the main message is you care about us all. So be with us and guide us and bless us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. You know, on your notes, there's a memory verse and there's a bottom line. And the memory verse says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I hope that from today's message, what you got was that God wasn't just saying this just to say this. Is that the bottom line is that the reason it matters what you believe is because you matter. 
And please go today knowing that this message was intended to tell you that God loves you and that you matter extremely to him. And that's why he wants you to hear this. Also, I want you to know that if you're new today or, or if you have a question or you want someone to pray with you, we'll have our pray, prayer team, but I'll also be down here on the front, invite you to come up. And now, please go into your week with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace. Amen. Have a great week in the Lord, everyone.